Anyway, so welcome. We are glad that you're here and awesome to be with you. Um, I'm uh, Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here. If I haven't had a chance to interact with you, meet you the first time, I just want to welcome you. Make sure you feel welcome here at Table Life Church. So as we get started, go ahead and watch this. stands out in your memory? What's a meal that stands out in your memory? Maybe it didn't look anything like that, but maybe it was a meaningful place, maybe more often than not with meaningful people, or maybe it was something that happened there, something, a place that you experienced joy or peace or just a sense of comfort or even a sense of home. Maybe it was a first meal that you shared with someone that you continue to have a relationship with to this day, or maybe it was a last meal with, before someone has passed. Well, the scripture today that we're going to read uh, takes place towards the end of Jesus's ministry, and in this open table series, we've been unpacking the gospel of Luke these past few weeks and looking at the table stories of Luke. So today, this takes place in the 24 hours before Jesus was crucified, before he went to the cross. 
in a meal that he shared with his disciples, often known as the Last Supper. So we're going to share this today in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 23. This is an excerpt, by the way. If you want to read the entire chapter, I encourage you to do so. And uh, you were handed a, a, a program on your way in, and you can take that out and follow along. Also take notes in that. Those of you guys online, you can find that on our website and print that out and follow along as well. So, so Luke tells us this starting in verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink from it again until from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same way, after the supper, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Okay, so what is a meal? I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about this. What's a meal that stands out in your memory? And it's estimated, I looked up this number, we eat around 80,000, 80,000 meals in the course of a lifetime. And most of us don't remember any of them, to tell the truth. We don't remember a higher percentage than maybe 90, than maybe 1%. But one of those meals probably in some way stands out to you. Maybe it just popped into your brain. And I don't know if mealtimes were a big thing for you growing up, but... They were in my family. We, it was regularly that we ate meals together around our, our kitchen table. And uh, we would uh, attend church together on Sunday. I grew up in the Catholic tradition. And it was a tradition for us that as a family, after church, after we would attend our service, we would go and visit a place called Peter's Family Restaurant. And I don't know if you've had of a special diner or a place that you go to a lot where people know your name. Well, that's, that's the kind of place that we went to. And, and the owner's name was, guess what? Peter. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Y'all are right today. So, so Peter was there and his son was there. We would knew them by name and would greet them kind of like family every, every week. And um, for me, though, I have to, a little confession here. I've always hated breakfast. I know. I just heard a gasp in the back. How could that be? Right? Like, always hated breakfast. I'm like a cereal gal. Like, give me some, like, Cocoa Puffs and, like, you know, Lucky Charms, and I am well on my way. But I hated, like, the whole, like, the breakfast spread of stuff. And it was funny because the rest of my family, to this day, they love that stuff. They love, like, the eggs and the toast and all that stuff. So my parents, they had a little scheme, and they got me to begin eating waffles. And you know how they did it? Like you do when you try to get any child to eat anything, you put tons and tons of sugar on top of that waffle to the point it looks like it's like, you know, the Great Plains covered in snow during December, right? So it got me to eat that waffle with that powdered sugar, but then I also turned to this thing called pizza bagels, which was kind of like the blend between breakfast and lunch, you know, best of both worlds. But it's funny that 
when, whenever I go out to breakfast now or I eat a waffle or even like make my own pizza bagel, whenever I smell that or experience that, it takes me back. It takes me back to those times gathered around that table with, with friends, with family, with Peter and his family. I remember all the conversations. I remember the laughs. I remember the things around the table and also like what that did for us as a family, that kind of shared practice. And I know it's kind of like nostalgic, but it, it almost like takes me back there. Like I can just close my eyes and even see the restaurant itself and the people that are there. And, and I don't know about you, but I realized that meals have a lot of power. They have a lot of power. It's more than putting calories into our bodies. It's how we connect. It's how we create memories. It's, it brings back emotions. Meals are things that shape us and change us. And maybe that's why at the center of our worship is a meal. That it's one that we join in together every week. And so in the, the Big C Church, the, these things that we practice during the course of worship, they're, they're called sacraments. And you've probably heard that word before. These are rituals that we trace all the way back to what Jesus taught. And if you come from a Catholic background, then you'll probably remember that there are seven of these for those that come from the Catholic tradition. But in the Protestant tradition, we celebrate two. We celebrate two. There are some Protestant traditions, by the way, that celebrate three. They celebrate three, but, but the two that are shared, the clearest, are baptism and the Lord's Supper, our baptism and celebrating the table. And the third, just for a little bonus here, is foot washing. Some Protestant traditions celebrate foot washing because Jesus said, do this as an instruction. But sacraments are, are things that we celebrate together that are not about just going through the motions of doing something, which sadly happens in church after church and time after time, that there's supposed to be a powerful outward sign of an inward grace, something outward that we do in a response to what God has done in us and through us. And so when it comes to the Lord's table, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, we have different names. Maybe you've heard some of these before, too. We have different names that we call it. And each one says a little bit something different about what this meal is that we celebrate together. So first, communion. I tend to use this term a lot. Um, it, it refers to this idea of communing with God. You know, becoming in relationship with God. Celebrating our relationship with God. Also celebrating community. That's why um, prior to, I guess, the, maybe a month or two ago when we started to celebrate the Lord's Supper by intinction, which means that you form the lines and kind of come up to receive, we would hand you a little self-serve package, and we did this through the pandemic, and you had like the little, the little piece of bread and the cup here, and then we would take it together. And that's actually like a normal thing in many churches too. There's a sense of community that we are the body of Christ. We're experiencing that together. But the second kind of term is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, reminding us that it's the supper of the Lord. It's not my supper. It's not my supper. It's not pastor, this certain pastor or this certain church or this certain denomination's supper. But this is the supper of the host, our great host, Jesus. And then kind of the third term is that idea of Eucharist, the Eucharist. And the word Eucharist, it comes from the word, the Greek word Eucharisteo, meaning thanks. Thanksgiving, that when we celebrate it, we're saying thank you to God. We're re reminded of all the things to be thankful for. And, and I know this is true for many of us here, um, those of us who come from a Roman Catholic background. It's kind of a normal thing to celebrate the Lord's Supper, celebrate communion every single week. 
And maybe you joined us here at Table Life Church, and you're like, oh, you celebrate every week? Oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, that reminds me. You know, it kind of connects and something there. And, and those of you that didn't grow up in a Catholic church, you know, it can be kind of a weird thing if you grew up in a Protestant church. Many churches celebrate it once a month, maybe once a quarter. Some churches that I've served at, um, we celebrate it kind of like whenever we felt like it or remembered to. Uh, so sometimes that was like twice a year. Other times it was like, oh, we should do that like for, you know, this, this certain holiday. Um, and, and it might be kind of strange for you to say, well, we're a Protestant church. We're not Catholic. Like we should, you know, what should we be doing? It might be kind of weird. And but what's interesting is here at Table Life Church, um, I'm, I'm relatively new. I've only been here a couple months. But I know that in the longevity of the church, the Lord's Table did not, the Lord's Supper did not happen every week. That's a relatively new thing that's taken on by this particular congregation. And we happen to be associated with the Church of the Nazarene. That's like our affiliation or oversight denomination. And most churches in the Nazarene church don't celebrate communion every single week. But we do. We do. And that's because it's become part of our identity. It's become part of our identity that when this congregation went through a process of really discovering who are we, what's our DNA as a church, we started to practice the Lord's Supper every week during Lent under Pastor Rob, and it kind of stuck. It kind of stuck. The power behind it, the meaning behind it, everything that, that comes with it. And so it's only been the last couple years that people in this congregation have been celebrating the Lord's Supper. But for 1,500 years... In the big C church, the greater universal church, the worldwide church, everything has changed except this meal. 1,500 years of celebration. It's always been at the center of what it means to celebrate and worship Jesus. So we have to ask the question, though, why? Right? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? You know, we've read this scripture, but, but particularly why? Well, there's a command here at the Last Supper. So from Luke uh, 22, verse 19, it says, Luke tells us, And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this, do this, do this in remembrance of me. Do this is a command, right? It says, what does it mean? Do this, right? It means do this. That, that whatever you change, Jesus is saying, whatever happens in the future, whatever takes place, whatever changes, and this is at the center of what it means to follow me. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Remember this. Remember this and remember me. And, and so the word remember, I just want, this is a really kind of interesting thing. Um, the word remember it has a little bit of a different take in the, in the Greek. So the New Testament scriptures, including the Gospels, were written in the Greek language, which is kind of like, I compare it to English as, Greek language is kind of like the, the Crayola box of like 64 crayons. English is like the Crayola box of like eight. Like that's the words. Yeah, that's the words. Like we have one word that means like five, like, you know, four things. They have like 10 words that mean like little slices of meaning, different shades of colors. And so uh, the word in, in, in Greek that's saying remember, most of the time we refer to that as kind of the, I call it brain think. Like you remember something. So just to kind of jar your memory for a couple of minutes um, and put some pictures. Does anybody here remember this? You're a lot, yeah. You can think right away. Don't you think about where was I? 
Like, where was I? Was I like in a classroom? Was I here? Was I there? Was I busy? Like, where, did, where were you when this happened? Some of us weren't born yet, but we remember learning about this in history class and in our books. I know, I always see that, right, guys? Y'all, y'all love me anyway. It's good. It's good. Um, by the way, we did have um, one of our church members jump in our bounce house on Friday night at our fire pit. Um, so you are never, never too old to be a kid again. So, so, okay, so what about the next one? Let's look at the next one. Do you remember this? Friday night, right? Those VHS tapes. You would go there in hopes that they had the thing you wanted to watch. So you youngins, like, listen, listen to this. You want no streaming. There was no streaming. It was like you had to go physically to the store, get mom and dad, or you had to drive there. And then you had like a little plastic boxes, right, that you would take just so you wouldn't steal the thing. And you had to go to the front and go and say, oh, do you have Indiana Jones? I don't know. You know, there was no, no streaming. But, but you remember, it like brings back those kind of memories. Okay, what about this? Your first cell phone. What did it look like? Did it have a touch screen or was it like a giant like 10 pound what, car phone, car phone? You remember that and maybe you still have it somewhere. You're thinking like it's in my basement in the box. I know exactly where it is or I will discover it when I move, right? You find all those things. But what iteration of your first handheld cell phone did you have? That's what we usually think of as remember, and it brings back all those kind of memories and things that come with it. Well, the Greeks take that one step further. And the word remember is actually remember. Remember, put back together. To put back together something that happened in the past to experience it in the present. Almost a sense of reenactment or bringing it uh, to resurrect that idea. And so that's why we re- when we remember, we actually celebrate the supper. We celebrate, we, we drink, and we eat together. That the Lord's Supper is about remembering. And also there's a part of members, right? Remembering, we join back together. There's all these pieces that are here. The Lord's Supper is about remembering. So at the table, We remember three things, and this is pointed out in this scripture. We remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. And and that's where the setting of the Last Supper is super important for how we understand it today. And as you see our, our table here, which is our communion table, we've been setting it different every single week during the series. With We had like kitty seppy cups one week, and we had other uh, tablecloths up there, a little picnic thing. You might notice it's a little bit different this week. Well, this is set up as a Seder meal, a Seder meal, which is celebrated by the the Jewish people. And so Jesus, as he's celebrating the Last Supper, is actually celebrating a Seder meal because Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. And three of the four Gospels agree that when Jesus gathered with the 12 on that night, they shared in a Passover meal. They shared in a Passover meal together. So Luke twenty two fifteen says, as he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And so this is, it's really important that this is taking place during Passover because it's a Jewish practice that really shapes how we understand communion. The, the Passover was, was a time, probably one of the most significant, if not the most significant events in Jewish history because it recalls the exodus from Egypt. And if you haven't read the Bible before or read the book of Exodus, that's okay. You've probably seen or heard the movie The Ten Commandments, right? 
Charlton, Charlton Heston, like one of our favorites that, you know, comes up year after year. So that's the whole story here of the Exodus. And the story goes that the night before God leads the people, leads his people, Israelites, out of Egypt, he says that he will send an angel of death to kill all the firstborn sons. And that includes all the Egyptians, but also anybody else. But he tells Israelites, he tells them this, that if you take a lamb, and if you kill that lamb and you take the blood and you mark the doorposts, put blood over the doorposts of your house, that angel of death will pass over your house, will miss you, and go to the next house. And so that's what they were celebrating, and that's why we call it Passover. That's why the Jews would celebrate that, that the Lord had pardon and mercy on his people as he was leading them out of Egypt. And so Jesus and his disciples, Jesus and his disciples, they knew the details of that whole story. They know the whole details of all the story of Exodus and the whole Moses thing and everything, just like we know the Christmas story, basically, that they could basically tell it in their own words year after year. And so Jesus would use this story to interpret what he was doing, what he was supposed to do. And Jesus, what he was supposed to do, what he would do, was that he would sacrifice himself. He would be sacrificed. And by his blood, by his blood, God would save us and deliver us to a new and eternal life. Isn't that amazing, right? It ties in right together. The blood of the lamb was what they would mark the doorposts over, that would, the Passover would occur. Well, Jesus' blood, he's called the lamb of God. It ties in. Jesus' blood would save us from our own slavery, and deliver us to something new, a bigger purpose, a bigger kingdom, a bigger life. And this all sits in the background of all that we do at the table, 2,000 years worth, 2,000 plus years worth of history. And it, it, it's really interesting because when, when Jewish people pray, they, they pray very different than Christians do. Like when we pray, what do we usually do? We usually ask, right? We ask for things. Like you say, you know, dear Lord, thank you so much for this. Please ask, ask, ask. You know, I have my list of things. You know, I want um, the Eagles to win next week. Maybe have the Steelers lose, Lord. Please have forgiveness on me. I know Pastor Jeff is like shaking his head. So um, anyway, we're going to... What was I saying? Oh, interruption here, interruption. So, um, but yeah, that's how we usually pray. We have our like list that we go through, like, I want this, I want this. Well, first off, did, did you know that um, while many Christians, like, we bow our heads like this to pray, for the Jews, it's accepted and almost expected to pray like this. It's a means of prayer. You think, even during worship, right, sometimes people raise their hands. There's a sense of prayer, of extending, looking up to God rather than looking down, and that was how the Jews would pray. But, but also, in Jesus' day, they would pray to remember. They would pray to remember all the things that God has done in the past. All the things that God has done in the past. And this is like all over the Bible. So if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see time and time again that, that they're praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're remembering they're praying to, about God's, you know, thank you, Lord, for the giving of your Torah. Uh, thank you to creator God, remembering all the things that God has done. They pray to remember. But why is it important to remember? Well, because we're so prone to forget, right? 
We as human beings, we're so prone to forget. We're so prone to forget what God's done. I mean, it's like, you know, God does something in our life. We're like, oh my gosh, thank you, God. Thank you for this. Like, I asked for this. Thank you. Praise the Lord, right? And it's like, what happens 10 minutes later? Like, oh my gosh, it's all going to end, right? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sleep tonight. It's terrible. Like, you know, that, that's what happens to us. We forget. You know, and this is confession. This happens to me too. You know, I like preach this stuff every week. And it's like, well, first off, like later in the week, somebody's like, oh, that was a great comment that you made. I'm like, what did I say? Right? I remember that. But, but it comes up later that something happens. And, you know, like, like say even last week where we talked about like the, the, the last being first, like the whole positions at the table that people would take and, and that, that, that idea of conflict around tables. And then like, you know, I'll be in the middle of like, you know, scrolling through my phone, like reading something and being like, I'm going to like blast her out. And like, ooh, you know, forget, forget like what I just preached on. I have to remind myself. But the truth is, you know, my job here most of the time is really to tell you things you already know, really, but that we have to remember together, that it pays to remember together. It's easy to forget and to drift. It's just like if you've ever swum in the ocean, if you visited the beach this year for during the summer, and you swim in a place that there's lifeguards, right? They usually put those like two flags up, the two green flags that you're supposed to swim through that the lifeguards can kind of keep an eye on. They put them together closer when there's a riptide or rip current. And when you're out in the water, if you're facing outwards, if you're facing, you know, swimming, swimming, swimming like this, it's easy to what? To drift. Before you know it, you turn around and the, like, the, the green flags are over here and you're like, swim, 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 swim. Especially if you have kids, you're like, okay, everybody, let's get back in the site. Or, or they get their whistle out and they blow it at you. You know, we drift. That's what we do. We drift all the time. It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, that life isn't about money or our prestige. It's easy to forget that, that we don't have to do anything to earn God's love. It's easy to forget that. It's easy to forget that we're created for something more. It's easy to forget that things are not impossible with God. It's easy to forget God sometimes, right? It's easy to think that everything falls on our shoulders. So the early church, they celebrated a meal together weekly to remember. They celebrated a meal to remember what God has done in history and also our lives, that, that we can be filled with gratitude for that. Eucharist Deo, celebrating Thanksgiving in the Eucharist. But we also remember what God is doing. Remember what God has done, but also what God is doing. That we remember that, that God is a God who works in the present right now, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes we don't realize it until later, until down the road that we look back and we say, oh, okay, God was doing this even though I had no idea that was happening there. And, and so that's, that's a big part of this because God is at work right now. This isn't just a history that we look back and we say, okay, God kind of did that and then now he's up in heaven sitting on the couch eating bonbons watching the show and watching the crazy, Right? But we remember that what God is doing because it's all about Jesus, that, that we take, we eat, we do this in remembrance of Jesus, to remember him. 
And so just shortly, what, what do we believe actually happens here in the present when we, when we celebrate this together? Well, Catholics believe that there is a literal physical change to, that, that the bread and the cup, in their case the wine, becomes the body and blood of Christ. And so we, we don't exactly believe that here at Table Life Church, but what we do believe is that Christ is really present here in a spiritual way in a spiritual way, not necessarily a physical way, but in a spiritual way. And so uh, on the other end of the spectrum, though, we have kind of have like Catholics that believe like in the physical, you know, it becomes the body and blood. We have some churches that also believe that this is just a practice, something that we do. We participate in, Jesus said to do it, we do it, nothing really happens here. They're just kind of symbols, and that's another way to think about it. But our, our interpretation here comes from the, 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 this Greek word, I me, I me, which means is, when Jesus says, this is my body. It, the word, when you look, unpack it, it actually denotes presence rather than a sense of becoming. It denotes eternal presence. It's the same word, the same root of the word that's used when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Is Jesus a physical light? Not really, but in a sense, you know, spiritually, he is. So we believe that Christ is here and present among us in a spiritual way. And we, don't, we believe that he's not just talking about the past, but that remembering that we're experiencing that today. And the reason is because Jesus made that sacrifice for you and for me, that we are a forgiven people. And here at Table Life Church, we say this every week. We say, well, this, is table, this table is open, that if you desire to receive God's grace, you can come forward and receive. Some churches have a certain thing. You have to be baptized in this church, or you have to go through a class, or whatever it might be. We happen to celebrate an open table, and you might ask why. Well, this is the place that we visit to receive forgiveness today. And the thing is, if any of us waits until we're a good enough person to come to this table or that we have all our questions about Jesus answered to come to this table, then you know what will happen? You will never come to this table. That's a big part. That the last part of the scripture, which is an interesting part of the story, the last part of the scripture we read, Jesus anticipates. He talks about how someone at the table, which we know will be Judas, um, will betray him, right? What does Jesus do before that? He serves Judas. Isn't that interesting? He serves the very person that will come and betray him. So who are we to say, well, you're not allowed. You can't come. If Jesus served someone that totally was, was on the wrong side of the table, if you will, then our table needs to be open to all, right? That when we come here, we experience God's grace. And we're reminded that we're forgiven, that our sin is gone, that, that all that stuff that we did, that we're a part of, like all that's in the past, that that's been nailed on the cross. And some of you guys, you may not need to hear that today, but I promise you there will be a day that you do. And, and many times after we receive, uh, we have these things called altar rails up here um, with the little cushion and the, and the bar in front. Different churches look different in different ways. Some churches have little kneelers where you are sitting. And so that posture of prayer is a place that people tend, as a, you know, as a body, tend to receive and experience and to put your body in a posture that you can remember. But the last piece here is that we remember what God will do. 
So we remember what God will do. We remember the future. That kind of, it's kind of a weird thing to say. We remember the future. It doesn't quite make sense. It's kind of a weird thing. But we're reminded that there is an end to this story. See, Jesus says twice, he will not eat this bread or drink until the kingdom of God is fulfilled, until it's 100% complete. Guys, we're kind of in the middle episode here. You know, Back to the Future had, what, three different versions, three different in that, in that series. The middle one wasn't so good, right? <laughs> kind of had the start of the series and the end of the series. Well, when it comes to Jesus, we're kind of like in the middle episode. We're kind of like in that middle version, like, hey, things are kind of crazy. But we have a promise that he's going to come and make things well again, that he's going to come and make things whole again. It's important because there is so much uncertainty in our world. That, but what we do know is that God holds the end to this entire story. And that's what we have to trust in. We anticipate Christ's coming, that he's going to come in final victory, and that we will feast together in a heavenly banquet in eternity. And it's interesting, the most common use, the most common image of heaven in scripture, do you know what it is? It's a banquet. It's a banquet. It's a banquet. It's a banquet. It's like Thanksgiving on steroids, I think. That's kind of what heaven will be like, Thanksgiving on steroids. Like you think of like the best Thanksgiving, maybe you've never had one like that. Well, guess what? It's going to be everything that you can ever picture. And what's powerful is that God, God wants us to remember that no matter what we're experiencing now, God is present and will forever be present among us and with us. And when we remember the future, we experience his presence. Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended to heaven was, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. See, friends, there's a time that you will need to remember that. If it isn't right now, there's a time that you will need to remember that, and even more so that we remember together. Part of that word, communion, community. Community is a reminder of that, which is why communion is not an individual process or individual practice. Communion reminds us that we are not alone. So I want you to take a minute. I just, we're going to do something a little awkward right here. I want you to just like look around, right? Everybody's like focused front. Like look around. Like if you're in the front, like turn around. You're allowed. It's not that, whatever. Look around. Like this, this community here, we all got stuff. We all got things going on. We all got stories, some that like, you know, some of us, you would never, ever guess the things that we've been through or we've been a part of or from our past or the things that we're struggling with right now. But community is a reminder that when we come together, God does something beautiful and we need one another. We need you. You need us. Community is a reminder of that, that you are not alone. You are not alone, and there's days that you need to remember you are not alone, so don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember, because life gets busy. We drift. We, things come up. We easily, we take steps that head us in a direction that before long we turn back and say, oh my gosh, how did I get here? So my question to you today, what do you need to remember? What do you need to remember? Do you need to remember what God has done, what God is doing, the promise of what God will do. See, friends, it doesn't end here, though, because we receive in order to be sent, which is why we practice this 
towards the end of the service every week because we've received to be sent. That what, we, what you've experienced here, what you've found here, go and practice it. If you've been welcomed here, if there's maybe been a church that you've never been welcomed at the table or even experienced welcome, go out and welcome other people. Invite them. Maybe, maybe to church, but also just maybe in your life. Maybe you need to welcome and invite others in. Maybe you've experienced forgiveness, forgiveness from God. Maybe you need to offer forgiveness, hard thing to do. Maybe you need to offer love because you've experienced love here. Maybe you've, you've seen the sacrifice that Jesus has done for you. Maybe there's a sacrifice in your own life to offer the same power that you have experienced because this table is a summit and a source for us on a weekly basis to be recharged and to be put back together again.